Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Glenn Poulos, and Glenn is a Rockstar Inner Circle member with a super interesting story. Um, he started, I mean, he just, you know, casually started two amazing businesses, so wait till you hear that story and kind of the evolution of those businesses. We talk about that a lot. We talk about his, his book a lot that I have in front of me. Hold on. I'm reaching for the book. His book that is titled Never Sit in the Lobby, 57 Winning Sales Factors to Grow a Business and Build a Career Selling. So we talk about his book, but we also jump into his real estate journey and his thoughts on different real estate strategies. We also get into crypto a little bit. Sometimes, sometimes I cringe when I say crypto without saying Bitcoin and crypto. I'm going to correct it. We talk about Bitcoin and crypto. Bitcoin is a special place in my heart. I can't just say crypto. Bitcoin's different. Bitcoin and crypto. That's what we talk about. So uh, we go into all those kinds of uh, weird and wonderful topics. Just a great guy. Um, love how much he's done. And to get someone to share some of the lessons after the type of journey he's had so far in his life is just super insightful. So uh Glenn, just really want to thank you for coming on and sharing that stuff with us. Uh, really enjoyed the chat. And if you are listening to this and you want to get started on your own real estate investing journey, you can check out our website, rockstarinnercircle.com for free reports, free digital copies of our books, access to different videos. All these podcasts are linked off there. You can register for the next introductory real estate training class that we have for investors. And that's all available to you at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's rockstarinnercircle.com. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life your term show with Tom and Nick Caradza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Glenn Poulos. And Glenn, this is, we were just saying, this is a little strange because usually everyone who we have on the podcast, we know in some capacity. I don't know you too well, but your story was so intriguing that we had to bring you on. Right, thank because you. Because you, yeah, you've, you've, you've been up to some serious shit. <laughs> and again, in the, in the best way possible. So I don't even really know kind of where to begin. Maybe, maybe we start wherever you want, because we were just saying how you're, you're kind of exiting your second, co you're still there, but you're kind of exiting a second company now. Correct. Yeah. You're in real estate. You're in a bunch yes, of other stuff absolutely. that we'll get to. Yeah. Where, where do you want to start? What, how did, let me ask you this. How does someone get to the point in their lives where they're exiting their second company? Good, good question. The, the uh, the second exit was was uh, oh th first of all thank you so much for having me on the on the podcast really happy to be here cool and uh, really grateful for everything that I've gotten from your guys uh, services and um, I I'll speak about it as we go along it's it's there's an endless list of things that I've learned from you guys and it's I'll I'll touch on them and uh, I really want to thank you guys for bringing all that to me so oh cool thank you um, I appreciate it so. 30 years ago when I was, because uh, I'm turning, I'm turning uh, 60, right? So 30 years so, ago. So you're young. So 40 yeah. years, to, at least 40 years yeah. to go. Like today's so. medicine, you're 40 I years. You're so. 40 years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I heard a guy on the, say, uh, I heard a guy on uh, the radio the other day saying he's not leaving anything to his kids and they can, they can earn it. And I'm thinking, well, if I had 40 years, I'd probably spend it all too, but. Uh, That's a lot of time, yeah. 40 years. That's yeah. a lot of time. Yeah. But um, so. 30 years ago, I had this like passion that I wanted to start a company before I was 30. 
And so I had been in sales for five years, working for a company selling electronic instruments. So precision measuring instruments. <clears throat> if you think of like when you're in the hospital, you see all these uh, instruments with signals on them and measuring your oxygen, all those waves and everything. We sell the equivalent of that for electronic engineers. So electronic test and measuring instruments, right? And every school, every engineering school you've ever been to has, you know, millions of dollars of instruments. And, you know, uh, we sell it to the government, the military. And I had worked for a for a company in from 85 uh, to about 91 and coming up on 92, which I was, I was born in 62 92 is going to turn 30. I brought an idea, uh, this crazy idea for this new technology called a cell phone. And I had, I had explained to my, the owners of the company, there were four of them that there was this new technology and it would evolve to become what is called millimeter wave technology, MM wave technology, which is now very ubiquitous in 5G, right? 5G is all about the, the millimeter wave frequencies. And sorry to get a bit technical, but it's, it's relevant. And, um, the, and the owner of the guys, uh, I said, look, I'm going to take some of your vendors that you're not selling very much of, and I'm going to combine them with these other vendors, and we're going to target companies in the, in the mobility space, right? Ah, cell phones, newfangled thing, you know, you know, the old classic, classic, right? Yeah. Classic and old the, guy the, screaming the, at the sky. The president. His fist. Yeah. So the president, uh, I think part of this story might be in the book, but the president uh, said, you know, bring me a plan on how you would do that. Unfortunately, I'm going to probably show you a plan on how it's not going to work. And I said, OK, let me do that. And so the next day I came in and I gave him my resignation and I just basically quit right and this is probably not a quality this is at the age of 30 yeah yeah 29.99 whatever okay right? and, and why yeah. was 30 such a marker for you because i wanted to say i started my company before i hit 30 right so it was just that like yeah. you just you just put Pure this arbitrary rights. number yeah i started a company before 30 before 30 Good for you so okay. at 29 point something, something yeah yeah <laughs> I, it I sounds it, like right? you cut it pretty close Glenn. yeah i did and uh <laughs> <laughs> but but fortunately, um, yeah, I started in October 1991, and I turned six, uh, 30 in uh, May of, of uh, 1992, so six months to spare. And um, they were kind of shocked, and they were, you know, fighting to keep me back, but I, I really never looked back. And, you know, uh, we started building this company uh, called MM Wave Technologies, and um, I started, I had a couple partners, um, later one of the partners left and my brother came in and we grew the company to mid eight figures. Like it was a, a thriving business and this is where it's a lot, a lot less interesting than what's happened in a few months ago with my new business, but we sold the company to a public company. And so by a means of a, like a reverse takeover type deal, I became a very large shareholder in this public company. And at at the time of the deal, uh, you know, it was quite attractive. Like, uh, you know, the, I became a multimillionaire at that point about 17 years ago. And, but it was all in shares and I didn't get a lot of money in cash. Right. And I was naive, but you know, really good at building the business and running the business, customers, sales, all that stuff. But I was really naive in terms of the real cutthroat world of the public equity markets. And because the share, so this is now you're 43 approximately. Yeah. And the shares weren't liquid to you at the moment that no. that reverse. I was takeover. locked in because I was an insider as well. I could only sell 1% every 90 days. Got it. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. And so I was really locked in. Not um, and not not that they weren't liquid. They were they were liquid to other people. And one of the partners exited. He got to sell like a chunk, twenty percent or something, because he was leaving the business. Um, but I had to stay, and I did. And uh, they owned a bunch of cell phone stores across Canada. They had a really good uh, public image. And at the time, uh, the company, this public company, was was a household name. Like people would know the name. And um, but we made a very bad choice of, of partners and so, so much. So this is really quite, uh, quite ironic, but it, after we sold the business, the, on, on the day we designed the deal, our line of credit was at zero and we had lots of money in the bank. We, all our vendors were, you know, paid up and I drove from Scotiabank at, uh, in, um, Burnham Thorpe and highway 10 in Mississauga back to my office after signing a stack of paper, DocuSign didn't exist, right? Maybe it existed, but we didn't sure, use it. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I signed this huge stack of papers a foot high. And by the time I got out of that chair and drove back to Mill Creek in Mississauga to our office, the, uh, can I say, can I swear on this? Yeah. yeah. So the, I know that exact the, the, location that you drove back yeah, to. The banker called me and said, what the fuck? Why? And I'm like, what? And he's like, your, cre- your line of credit is maxed. And of course, I had just gotten the deed, all the all the guarantees for my the off because I did at least get the guarantee off, but the line was at zero. By the time I got home, it was at two million. And when you say the guarantee off, the personal guarantee, the personal guarantee was removed. Okay. So I wasn't I wasn't liable personally for the money anymore. But we had gone from zero use of the cre- line of credit that day to fully maxing it, somewhere between one and a half and, and two million dollars of room, and they maxed it in an hour and um or the time it takes to drive from mississauga to so mississauga. were they just acquiring you to get access to some of this liquid cash so yeah and i mean i don't know all their under uh, the undercurrents of their problems that they but they had some fancy companies that were doing well that looked good to the markets and their stock was doing well oh that's right you said but it was they, public yeah, yeah, yeah but they it. had a bunch of company mistakes that uh, you know i was never really made privy to that that kind of uh, was dragging uh, putting a need for cash and so they were pulling cash out of their the cell phone stores Holy and the other shit, public man. companies and <laughs> oh they God. they just basically wow. just nailed us for every penny we had on the first day sounds like the first hour of the first yeah. day <laughs> and so we we basically uh, started stretching our vendors from that point on. Oh, jeez. And, and these are relationships that you had. Oh, yeah. They're all and no, oh, valued yeah. you and were loyal Absolutely. to you. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I flew all over North America yeah. signing up yeah. these yeah. vendors. They're yeah. from around the world, you know, and our, our reputation personally was on the line with them. And we stopped paying them. And then they started stretching our, our shipments so that our customers were then getting mad. And oh, geez. Ba- basically 15 years to the day, um, th- we went into receivership and so the public is, company didn't two go years, two years later, two years. Yeah. Holy it was about 18 months, I guess it took for the, from, from the beginning to the end. Wow. And, um, <clears throat> so, and we went into receivership. They did not, um, bankrupt. The public company did not b- get bankrupt and, but we all lost our jobs, a hundred people and wow. basically snap overnight. We're all out of jobs. And, um, they continue to sort of thrive and, uh, for I some thought you time, were say finagle, finagle, <laughs> actually they finagled their way for a while. They did. And the, you know, um, uh, they ran the cell phone stores for a while, but they ended up somehow being able folded out of the business. I don't know how I was long gone by then. Um, and then ultimately I think the, the company closed down, but the shares, the shares went from like a dollar something to like a penny or sub a penny. And so 
you know, I was this like, you know, uh, newfound millionaire, right? But of course it was all locked up. So I wasn't really spending it. So I wasn't living like a millionaire and I wasn't even thinking like a millionaire or anything like that. Sure. Like, but technically you were, but I was yeah, a multi yeah, multi-millionaire. Yeah. Right. And all I'd really gotten out of it was maybe a hundred K or something. I bought a Mazda RX eight. Oh, nice. And, Those are beautiful cars. Yeah. And I took it to, um, I think it's RPM motorsports in, in, uh, uh, out in Kitchener Waterloo, and they put like twenty or thirty grand more into oh, the car. Nice. It was okay. so nice. Okay, right? <laughs> and uh, um, so that was some... all I got out of it, really. Oh, and in the and the and um, in the end, the shares basically were became worthless. And but so I lost my job, and I literally had was faced with having to either you know uh, fill out a resume and get a job, right? Because Holy I was forty because you're forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had is... kids, wife, you know, the whole nine yards. And I had to, you know, um, I was actually divorced at the time and I had, so I had child support and all wow. that stuff and I either had to get a job or like start over. Right. And so, uh, the way, uh, the way I like to tell the story is I started, I started with my first name G my last name was Poulos P GP. Right. And then I bought a vowel, a gap and I started with gap, gap, gap wireless. Okay. It was done. It was named within like the first five minutes. Got it. So that's how you came up with Gap yeah. Wireless. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, and I, I had the first few vendors that I wanted to approach. Then, then one of my ex employees at the old business actually approached me and we, to make a long story short, we got together and we became business partners. Awesome. And he came in actually as the president. I was the vice president and I, I know all about the operations and all the, and he was really, you know, and this was doing the same thing, supplying identical. Okay. Yeah, the exact supplying, same thing, okay. supplying wireless infrastructure and uh, measurement, uh, test and measurement equipment to the wireless industry, the mobile wireless. Yeah. So basically the cellular industry, right? That, that'll never take yeah. off by the way. Yeah. No one will ever want to. So, so I want to continue the story at this point, yeah. but I do want to skip back for one second. If you'll allow me the, the, the boss that were, that you were speaking yeah. to in said it'll never work when you were 30. What is it that you saw that he didn't see? You just saw like, cause, cause at that time, I think I remember when my father was running a construction company, got his first cell phone. I feel like it was like around that time. I don't know, within a few years of this time anyway. And the thing, I, I feel like at one was like a, with a briefcase right. or, or something. Yeah, the brick. The, yeah, there was the brick. The and then there was like the Motorola yeah. thing that yeah, was the, like a carrying yeah. a freaking yeah, bag. brick. The yeah, bag. yeah, the but, bag phone and the yeah, and that's the, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There was like yeah. a bag. There was the one that was carried with the handle. I forgot about that one. Yeah, then that the, one. Then yeah. the brick. Yes, then the brick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and these were like yeah. huge things. And it seemed to me that you were just what you were able to see this evolving trend. Like, what did you see that you're the somebody else who was in the they weren't in this industry because it was just just emerging. But they had visibility into this industry if they wanted yeah. to look. Uh, look, what, what, what did you see? I don't get the it. The simple answer is that the uh, I was just totally geeked out on wireless stuff, right? And, okay, so you had an information advantage. And and yeah, and I and I'm not the most technical person in the in the company ever. I've never been the most technical. I'm technical enough to be super dangerous, and and most people would think that I'm very technical, but really I'm I'm not, right? Well, the some of my other key my partner is very bright technically now. And, um, but I'm 
really good at combining technical with selling, with relationship management, people skills and all that. Got it. In oh, order to a make, nice mix. In order to sell. But then right? your geeking out on this gave you the information and, advantage that he didn't have. Yeah, and I just loved it. And and I, in the in the book, I talk about greed-based learning, which we can, we can talk about when they're like, what the heck is that, right? So, yeah, <laughs> and, sounds uh, motivational yeah, though, because if you see greed, it it's just like yeah. human nature. Yeah. Hey, what's going yeah. on over here? People yeah. at work are like, how am I ever going to learn that? And I'm like, don't worry, GBL will kick in and you'll, you'll learn it no problem, right? GBL. GBL. Greed-based Greed based learning. learning. Right. It is the sort of learning that works. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I can even, I can relate it to everything you guys are doing here in, in, in a heartbeat. Yeah, so, well, sure. It just reminds me of my Bitcoin rabbit hole because I'm like, that's Wait GBL. Wait a second here. Yeah. What's yeah. going on? And you right. do the super so, deep dive where you're like getting into this stuff. I run a, on my, a full Bitcoin node yeah. sitting here. Right. Like a, yeah. I would have never thought that right. I'm having a full Bitcoin yeah. node sitting at the table here. Right? Yeah, I'm sure a couple of years ago, one day you're, you're, someone's talking to you and <laughs> you don't know anything. And the next day you're, you're teaching people how to install MetaMask wallets. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. Yeah, securing it with a hardware key and don't lose your key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that, yeah, right? Yeah, and totally. And people are like, how do you know yeah. this? Yeah. Get greed your word. based learning. Yeah, greed based learning. Okay, I like it. I like it. I'm not, you know what? I'm not sure I, I like it, but I know it's kind of the truth. Mm. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? It's like you don't want yeah. to admit that that's what it yeah. is, but it's human nature. That's it's right. like, wait, wait a second here. It's what let us know on the real estate path, too. Anyway, yeah, for but, sure. But uh, so keep going. Bring us back up to speed then. So you, this, so, this gentleman's the, the, the president. You're the vice president. Yeah. We started the company and. I had, I had years back, I'd started collecting the, the stories that are in the book that, and I called them factors. And I named in the, in the beginning, I named them after the real people with their real name that, that were, and most of them were lessons about don't make that mistake, right? A lot of my book is like the mistakes not to make, not here's a recipe to how go make a sales call. Right. And, um, there's some interesting, you know, the chapters are kind of strange. It's like, what does this mean? Right. $10 million in diamonds. Like, and, um, the, uh, which, uh, and I will tell you some of those stories. Uh, but so I started writing them down in a, in a leather book years back. And then I was, uh, years ago, I got invited to do some seminars and speaking about it. And so I had to hone some of the stories into more, you know, like a speech. Right. And, uh, which I did. And then started people like, oh, you should tell, you should write a book. You should write a book, right? And this was like 20 years ago. And so I tried a while back then, and I didn't. I wasn't very successful at it. And um, the, uh, but I kept marking down the stories, right, over the years. I kept the book with me, and I don't have it with me at all times now. But I used to carry it with me at all times in my uh, in my briefcase by or backpack, what have you. And Every time someone would do something weird or good or bad, I would write it down. I would name it after them. I call it the, you know, the, the Tony Martin factor. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then totally. I write a little bit about totally. what it was yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I would save it because yeah. I said one day I'm going to write. Yeah, the those book, are the right? best stories. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but essentially, I, I kind of digress from the business. What I what I had learned, I'd learned a bunch of things about the company after it became public and it was much bigger. There's a hundred people that I didn't quite agree with, but I, and I was in the sales, you know, primarily in the sales, uh, part of the company, right? I'm not a CFO. I mean, I was driving sales relationships and stuff. Right. And I wanted to change the way we handled some things and, and I really couldn't make the changes and stuff. Right. And I, you know, I said, if I ever do it again, I'm going to do it differently. Right. And, and so, I knew what I wanted in a company and I felt that I'd lost control in the last one. And then I'd become part of a public entity. You know, I wasn't C level, um, you know, and then ultimately I lost my life savings and all that stuff. And, um, and so I started gap wireless with my business partner with an eye on doing everything the way I wanted to do it. And so, 
Um, there were there were myself and my partner. We hired a salesman out west, and we had a a lady that uh, came from the other business from the old business to help with the you know admin right. And, um, you know, quote, filling out quotes and orders. And, uh, and and what does it mean the way you wanted to do it? I assume so you had a set of are, principles or rules that yeah, you followed? Yeah, I mean, just, just vaguely, I mean, or just, you know, it's like uh, always answer the phone, right? Like so, and... Uh, because you don't know what the opportunity is on the other side? Yeah, or so it? like try not to put people into a cycle of voicemail and... Oh, and, basic and, like yeah. that, yes. Yeah. Makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah auto yeah. attend and whatever. Yeah, always yeah. have someone pick up the phone, right? I will admit that, you know, for 12, 13 years later, we when we got to a certain amount of size, we actually did have to have the phone immediately picked up, but we have a, a fail safe. So the, they always can talk to a person, right? Like they can pick their one for sales, two for accounting. Cause a lot of times they're calling for an invoice or, sure. you know, the yeah, basic yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. And right. And so having, uh, um, you know, in the modern age, it's not completely uh, productive to have one person just answering the phone. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. But it, when they keep going zero, 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 it comes to me and, and I pick up the phone and, and then they say, oh, you know, blah, 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 you know, this and that. And they start in there. I'm like, well, how can I help you? What, what, what do you need? And then they're like, oh, you know, th- thank you for picking up the phone or something like that. And then I'm like, well, you're talking to the owner. So I'm probably gonna be able to solve your problem too. They're like, oh awesome. my God, you're the owner and you picked up the call. And, and very but cool. That, that's just a minor thing. The, the, um, you know, the way we, the way we control pricing and stuff, which, um, we would be akin to imagine you had a hundred realtors working for you and they were all going out and signing up listings and they'd bring them all back and they'd say, Hey Tom, here's all the listings. I I'm selling this one for six eighty nine, And you're like, wait a minute. Uh, we should have listed that for six ninety nine, or, you know, we should have held offers until next Thursday and you got know. it. So you had a standard. And so like we, a- we pulled in, you know, we, we, we pulled the margin control back to the business and we created a centralized quoting model. And, and a lot of oh. people in the old, all the salesmen would make up different margins, uh, right? It's a minor thing. Like, you know, uh, sales but it's for salespeople, it's those damn sales. I, I yeah. say that as a salesperson. And, and, so I mean. and, and the, the, the next part so obvious is like, imagine like Jack, you know, why is his deals always low margin and Sally's always high margin? It's so true. Always. Yeah, always. Always. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, uh, you know. Why are this person's deals always a disaster yeah. that blow up and right. are headaches? And this person yeah. just signs the best deals right. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, I have a chapter in the book called Freedom Begins With No, which talks about these, you know, being beat up on pricing and stuff. Um you know, uh, in front of the customer and that oftentimes the, the, the jack of the world, you know, that's, oh, I want a better price and this and that. And they're like, oh, let me talk to my manager, even though they know full well they're already buying at, at the bot or at the bottom oh, got where it. they yeah, can yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. But they're, but, but Sally would just say, well, you know, knowing where you're at in your cycle, sir, I came in with our best price. Uh, the lead time is, is actually uh, getting worse. And so, I can only hold the delivery if we place an order this week and I've already come in with my best price. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to go back and get you any better pricing. That's, that's a no, right? And she can go home at night knowing she's done this guy here, Jack going back. He's got to go back to the boss and say, Oh my God, going to sure we can't do anything more. And you know, and, and so he's, his free, there's no freedom for him and he has to worry about it at night. Yeah. yeah, Right. That kind of a, yeah. yeah. So we are, uh, super easy to do business with at my company. And that's what we pride it on. And we provide technically uh, creative solutions uh, to customer problems. A lot of our competitors, they're good companies, no question, but they're more about, you know, here's your price, here's your delivery, you know, this is what we sell. But 
we're about finding creative solutions to customer problems. So we'll go in and find advanced technology from around the world and, you know, we'll adapt, we'll work to adapt it to your, to your network or to your measurement needs to whatever, whatever it is. And over time that's built to be a formidable size business. And, um, and people say, we just love dealing with gap wireless. Like Mm -hmm. you're just so easy to do business with. And, and so that's one of our, you know, one of the core principles that we've always stuck to uh, Makes sense. in running the company, right? People do business with people they like. Yeah. You know, I always used to get into these different debates with different sales environments that I've been in over the years where I've tried to kind of explain, not that we're perfect at it here by any means, but but it's like people like doing business with people they know, like, and trust. Right. and if you put up a corporate shield all the time and you're trying to pretend you're a bigger company than you are, or you stand behind these brands or logos or mission statements that everyone knows are just bullshit, you know, it, all people really want are to hear your voice, know that you're going to answer the phone like you did. And even if you can't fix the problem, you're going to do your best to try to fix it. And if people sense that from you, that's really all everybody wants. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just remember trying to uh, to do some sales back when I was much younger, I guess in my late 20s, and trying to use my personality and in a way to approach CIOs and CTOs. I was selling into Chicago at the time. Right. And it kind of worked as opposed to just hiding behind a big tech name. I, I could penetrate into different organizations as the salesperson right. just by relating to what their problems were instead of just trying to sell them some crap by a certain date and then using my personality just to be real about it right and not like kind of make this a big corporate dog and pony show yeah and it really for me anyway it worked yeah just you know they felt i think i wasn't bullshitting them then they didn't bullshit me and and we did a lot of business um so that's cool that's cool to hear the way you did that there's a, there's a good what you say about CIOs and CEOs or whatever. There's a good story in the book called Shit Flows Downhill, where I tell the story about the salesman like yourself and, my, and myself, yeah. where you would, I would call the CEO and you know it's and you know I typically I'm selling the instrument side of the business. We also sell antennas and other things, but I talk to them about these measuring instruments and and. Uh, when he when he'd realize I was a salesman, he'd say like, oh, that's not my department or whatever, and he'd be, I say, look, you know. I've been saving guys this amount of money or we've been getting this amount of throughput from, from customers just like you, you know, you can either hang up on me or give me 30 seconds, you know, and then, oh, good for and, you. and yeah, so yeah. that kind of a thing. And usually, okay, fine. You know, you get your 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and then I'd say, look, so who should I talk to? Right. And, and you know, who's in charge of the, who's in charge of engineering, who's in charge of production or whatever and say, look, Bob's the vice president of engineering. Right. And so thanks. Click. Right. Bob, I'm having a great chat with the CEO. Yeah, yeah. Right there. Right there. You're a step further <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right? Just that one line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> he really thinks we need to talk, right? And the VP's like, I'm too busy for that. Call Jack, you yeah. know, the production manager, right? Okay, well, I've been working really closely with Bob, the VP, and, you know, George, the CEO, and they really, really think we need to get some instruments in, in here on trial. We've been, you know, we've oh been improving throughput. Getting flashbacks just listening 20%, to you. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And... The good thing about it is, right, in that that whole concept of shit flows downhill, right, is that imagine that I deliver, you know, an instrument, $100,000 instrument, and there's all sorts of other rules I teach in the book about, you know, staying on top of those things so that they're actually being used. But, you know, I can say, I can call the CEO and I can say, look, the instrument's here on trial. 
it is actually producing 20% faster measurements than you were getting before. Can you come down for two minutes and look at it? No, but I'll send the VP guy, right? Or whatever, right? And then, because I've already talked to him once, right? Mm -hmm. And then I get to the point where the guys like it or whatever. And then I can call the CEO and I say, look, this is going to be a $100,000 instrument. I'm sure you're signing off on it. Like, what do I need to worry about? I'm not even wasting mm -hmm. my time. On I it. think that came from just your understanding of, of your field was deep. Like, I know you're saying you're not super technical, right. but your ability to have those types of conversations with confidence comes from your knowledge of what you're selling. Right. Whereas if you just step into a sales role and you have no clue really what you're selling, you just can't have the conversations that you just had, even if they're high level. The conviction right. in your voice is different when you know right. about the product at the depth you knew it. Yeah. And that comes across because that allows you to push the CEO a little bit harder. Whereas yeah. if you're a sales guy who doesn't know the product at all and you get the CEO on the phone, what are you you're just say? shitting your yeah. pants, right? Exactly. You have not, nothing to say. Yeah. So it was your information. And that's where I just think in life, an information advantage serves you in all things, in investing and in sales, like yeah. you just showed right there. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear your story. Um, cool. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. There. Sorry. <clears> no, it's Keep okay. Going. Keep yeah. going. And, um, and, and, and I use that whole, that whole greed based learning GBL thing. That's how I got to the, I, love can, 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 I almost hate that. I love that one. Cause it's so accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. want to admit that I the, love that one, but it's really the, good. The way, the way the story goes, right. Is again, we're selling these expensive things. I don't know anything about them. Right. But I do know enough to know that these five customers and the vendors would come to town. They'd want to present to customers. They want us to go on sales calls. Right. That's kind of the world I work in. We represent companies from around the world. They send in their, their, their FAEs, their application engineers and their sales guys and their regional managers. And, and they want to come and visit our top customers. And, and so I'd pick the guy up from the hotel in the morning, have breakfast with him, And I'd say, look, you know, what are, what are the top five things that are important in this analyzer? Right. The guy would tell me the top five things and I'd forget four of them by the time <laughs> I got to the customer. Right. But I'd say, hey, I, I want to introduce you to George. He's the FAE from whatever Rockwell Technologies or something like that, right? And they got a great box. And, you know, they've managed to increase the memory throughput by 20% on this instrument. And I really want you to spend a bit of time with them to learn a bit more about it. Then he'd tell more. And, I'd, and then he'd tell the third, second, third, fourth one. And I remember the second one on the next call. I'd introduce them and I'd drop the next two bombs, right? And by the end of the day, I knew all five. And he's like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, you know the product better than I do. And all I knew was the sort of surface level enough to get the customer interested because I'm never going to be the FAE. Yeah. I'm always going to be that But I found in sales, that's almost enough to make you a subject matter expert yeah. because so few salespeople will remember anything. I can't tell you how many calls where I was the technical guy to go with the sales guy. Right. And okay. they would literally yeah. know nothing. Right. They would yeah. just put me on the phone and say, right. okay, Tom's here. And I'm like, I would kick into sales mode without knowing, yeah, yeah, without knowing that right. I was the yeah. sales guy. But I thought, oh my gosh, like I'm right. scrambling here to try like, what is this guy, what's this guy's problem? Like, I don't even know what I'm to talk about because right. I don't know. So right. I would have to ask questions and, to understand. so you become the salesman I was and becoming, the FAE. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And right. uh, so, so even though you're kind of laughing how you would just know those five points from my experience, those were the best salespeople yeah. because they took the time to understand those right. five points. Yeah. And then after years of articulating them, you get really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy would then, you know, he would go out with another rep and I was sort of Southwestern Ontario uh, and there were other reps in Eastern Ontario and North, you know, Ottawa, et cetera. And he, then he would come back, circle back and want to talk to the boss or whatever. And the, you know, and 
basically what he'd end up saying was like, don't ever lose that Glenn guy. Like he's, he's amazing. Right. And all, but cause the other guys were doing what you said. They were just standing there literally like bouncing on the balls of their feet, trying not to fall asleep. Yeah. And, Did we get the deal? And, and, Did we get the, yeah. are we going to get the deal? Do you think we're going to get that deal? Like who's the salesperson and, in this relationship? Yeah. And so, yeah, so that, that's where I came up with that concept. But, um, yeah, so we, we, we ran, we ran the, the company, you know, quite successfully. We had, it wasn't um, a flawless, you know, like, a, you know, a zero to infinity kind of graph of, of sales. None of them ever are, right? Um, but uh, we, we did grow fairly steadily. But because we sell wireless, what's really important to our company are 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, and of course, hopefully 6G, 7G, what have you, because every time there's a G, mm. typically there's upgrading. what we call an overlay. Yeah. Mm. And uh, it's an upgrade, but it's a, it's a forklift upgrade, we call it, right? You got to climb the tower, you got to take down the radios or put up a second set, a new set of radios, because you can't just put in a new firmware chip. Because the uh, these radios are significantly you know miles ahead of the yeah one are that's they up there, got it right yeah okay. like a three G versus two G etc. So these guys analogs. these uh, these companies are running multiple multiple technologies at the yeah. same time yeah oh. like they're just uh, they're just shutting down some of the two G stuff now right like they're making oh, some wow. of those announcements okay. and you know so the grandmother that has a phone from like ten yeah, years yeah. ago it's not or maybe work. some industrial applications yeah. with yeah different yeah. cell right. cell, cell technology te- yeah and, built yeah. in yeah. yeah okay and so. So we would spike, right? As we as they were doing 2G, we would ramp to 2G, uh, helping uh, provide technology to build that network. Um, basically, things on the tower or things inside a building so that your cell phone works when you walk in. I don't know if you remember the days when you'd walk in the mall, you're oh, talking yeah. to somebody, and the second you walk in the mall, boom, it's gone. It's dead. You're dead, right? It's like, oh, I'm walking indoors. I'm going to lose you. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, you remember that? And then oh, yeah. all of a sudden they came out with in-building technology. Was well, that what it was? Okay. Uh, yeah. It's like, called, a, like a di- repeater of the signal of some sort? It is actually a repeater. Okay. And so there's two kinds of, of, uh, of technology, but we, we sell this DAS, distributed antenna systems. That's what the industry calls it. And so there's two kinds where one kind where you kind of like suck the signal through an antenna out from outdoors, put it through an amplifier and just rebroadcast oh, wow. it indoors, okay. repeater technology. Yeah. And then there's a kind where you're literally bringing in the, the, the backhaul, meaning so all the, the, you know, when you get on the phone and you call your wife, I mean, that goes sort of goes through the landline and, you know, and then it goes maybe back to another cell site and out to your, out to your wife. But you bring the the radio, uh, the data in. Uh, the, we call it the um, uh, the um, node B, which is the basically the the start of the the radio before it gets amplified. And oh, you're got it. you're actually sort of putting a cell site inside, inside. the wall. Yeah, yeah, got right. it. Right, okay. not taking the outside one and putting it inside. Got it. And that's used when you need higher capacity because you can bring in more. Huh. And so, okay. and, um, yeah, and that's, that's the biggest part of our business is selling that. So oh, wow. when you, when you look up at stadiums, like at uh, Scotiabank, I guess yeah, it's yeah. called now or whatever, you see all these white panels. Yeah, you everywhere. never used to get signal at like yeah. uh Scotia, well, the Air Canada Center originally, right. I'm like, yeah. you would go in there. You're like, oh my gosh, there's so many people in here. I can't get any signal. When you look up now, if you're, well, unless you're in the platinum seats, you can't see anything yeah. from that, from down that low. But if you're up higher, um, you'll look up and you'll see all these white panels and you think, what are those? Those are all antennas for cellular. Oh, got it. Okay. And, yeah. And, and that's why when there's however 20,000 people in there, everybody can get signal now. Exactly. Everyone can update their social yeah. media yeah. and do their thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, huh. um, yeah. And so, so that business then grew and, and that, uh, 
grew to the point now where I saw that financial post yeah. article. Is right. That- yes, it is. So, yeah. So I'll jump to that. So, so we, and we had found ourselves in 2019 where we had gotten into a few other sort of extraneous things. One of the things we were like, like I said, I was geeked out on like wireless technology, man. I was like interested, like to my core in it. Right. Just like I am in crypto. Right. But I also, I became like super geeked out on drones right on man on oh, uavs geez. right yeah. you know like dgi drones and, oh wow you know, awesome. you know the kinds, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. and i was just yeah like, nick was just flying one in the office and we're all laughing at him yeah, yeah. yeah. i think you did you you might have had that on or i think we put it on, on video right? we did yeah. yeah i think we did that's right i, I think because it came to my face and my and I tried to punch to me, it my I wife tr- yeah my wife yeah my wife <laughs> says to me oh they've clearly never been to gaff wireless because i did that oh, really? but it wasn't with a drone like that it was a phantom three or it was with a and and it was you can't do that with it. And I was and and my part, business partner was like, oh my, I don't think you should be doing that, Glenn. And I kind of lost control of it, oh. it <laughs> crashed into the wall, took out the drywall, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. Uh, so right around the corner uh, here, I yeah. think we have one of those. Yeah. I think Nick just got it. I think it's a DG, DG, DGI, what, DGI yeah. brand yeah. or whatever yeah. that. Yeah, okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, they're amazing. Now they they're are. amazing. They the are. way they just yeah. hover in place yeah. there. Yeah, and you can sort of and they'll back up and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone was just telling me in the Canadian military and police force, they have like small car size ones now yeah. that will, oh, yeah, will fly up. Apparently, yeah. in the whole Ottawa right. protest thing, they were flying these things up there. But someone was telling me they were like literally the size of like. A desk or a yeah. small? Could they be that big? Yes, now? they can absolutely. Oh, wow. And one of the things we sell, we got out, we ended up getting out of the drones because it was really cutthroat, and it, the the it was fun though. It, it was, was fun. super fun. Yeah, we all have drones now, and, <laughs> yeah. and but which is really it was like my partner, he was massively geeked out on them as well, yeah. right? We're like, how can we like get free drones for, yeah, yeah, from, yeah, from yeah. work, and not pay for it, not, not have the accounting lady totally ask what we're buying? I totally get it, yeah, <laughs> right? And uh, and so. We said, let's start a division, right? And so, and we did, and it was pretty, it was, it went well for a while, right? But it, it, the problem was, is that the, the, the line between a consumer sale of a drone and a business to business sale of a drone is very fine, right? Because it, it bridges this weird gap, right? Where the guy, he's cool, he likes, you know, he has a Phantom 3 for home, which he got on Amazon or at Best Buy. And now you're trying to sell him this other drone at work. And it's yeah. 10 times the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And he's like, well, yeah, you know, and it was just really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't it wasn't up our alley of, um, and there were a lot of like firmware changes. We would buy, we once bought a giant shipment of drones from, from China, from DJI. And before the boat hit the dock. And it was we, already. It was obs- already a new one. Yeah, yeah. It was already obsolete. Yeah. yeah. Well, Technology is crazy yeah. right now. Yeah. Wow. And so what we did was we kept the other part of that division, which is called drone defense. Okay. And so we sell instruments, not unlike our other measuring instruments, that monitor the skies for they optically, they measure with their, like they have cameras, they see drones, they listen and hear drones, and they they are monitoring the spectrum for the frequencies of oh, the controllers is, of the drones. This is like a scary future we're headed for. And they use, and we sell it to companies that, that are fearful politicians. Of us. No. Uh, yeah. Politicians. Uh, cause we have some, cause, if, mount, cause mount, a swarm of small drones coming in, you want to know about this. Yeah. They can mount on cars. We've oh sold them to God. the jails, the prisons. Oh my God. I never yeah. thought of that. Yeah. And, um, cause they could drop in all kinds of yeah. goodies into the jails. They, so in Quebec, the spec we had heard was they have an interdiction daily with a drone. No way. Daily. 
because a drone's dropping in different supplies the co- to yeah. the inmates. If you've ever heard of the, the <laughs> if you've ever heard of the term cost of goods sold, right? When you're selling products, right? You're you know you buy you know you buy something from a customer for a thousand dollars, you sell it for fifteen. Your cogs is is a thousand dollars, right? For for these these nefarious dealers of of, of drugs and whatever else. Wow. Their their cost of, is daily a drone. Um, they were losing drones daily, right? And because they wouldn't recover them back out, sure, They'd just drop sure. them in, yeah. crash them, whatever. They get shot out. Who cares? Uh, they don't, they care, don't if, care if the shipment yeah. was made. The yeah. shipment was made. Yeah. Wow. And, I never uh, thought of this. So you guys can set up this thing that almost is like acting like a radar of sorts yeah. Yeah. to sense and we sell it, Yeah. And the biggest, the biggest market is, is airports protecting all the perimeters of airports because imagine like those drones yeah. oh my getting God. in the way of air traffic. And, um, and so, yeah. so someone now in these different organizations is responsible for like drone defense okay defense i was about to say drone attacks drone defense yeah wow and the funny thing is the only thing that we can do but don't do is we don't crash the drones and we don't like take control of the drones but you could crash the drones easy we can how by scrambling some of the just push a button on it but it's all disabled and then we sell it in canada because imagine if you crash the drone and then you hit a person yeah no horrible but it is possible though oh it's totally possible really yeah it's already built in and secondly it's how's it already built in wouldn't you think the vendor selling the drone would say this is preventative to any drone defense mechanisms they can't intercept our signal that would be too expensive to put in that technology. oh well, well, yeah so you can somehow a drone's incoming your technology can somehow take over and shut it down i know you're not doing that but it's actually technically possible yeah wow. so we would be in when we when we're when we're crashing the drones we're jamming the signal right okay and jamming so is illegal in Canada. Illegal. The only one that can jam the drones is the RCMP or uh, above, right? And the military, right? The, anyone, no one else can run. Wow. It's illegal to own, possess, transport, or any kind of jamming technology. You see them on like Alibaba and places, these these like cell phone jammers and whatever. And what do you mean? And, and it would be possible to shoot them down too? Aren't they moving so, too quickly? Well, you're basically, what you're doing so is you're, you're hijacking the control mechanism from the guy on the ground, right? You're overtaking okay. the controls. Oh, okay. And so okay. that's why you could pilot it as well. But the problem is, is that the people that are overtaking it are security people. They're not pilots and they don't have a license to fly drones. Oh, okay. And you need a license to fly drone, right? Okay. And so that's why we don't pilot them. Do that's you need why, a license to fly a drone? You, you do, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So if yeah. we go in the parking lot, all your this real, one? all the real estate photos and everything, they're, all they're, illegal. Uh, well, they probably have a. They a probably license. have the. I don't remember the name of the new uh, license for um, OFC OFS. I can't remember the okay. name, but it's a four letter thing where you're allowed, but you're supposed to file a flight plan every time you fly it. And oh my gosh. That, that that photographer probably did apply and get the permits to wow, fly. Wow, I had no idea. But they're probably not getting flight clearance on every flight. And, no, um, no. I yeah. think we took a drone picture of a bunch of us in the parking lot a few yeah. months ago. I don't think we had any yeah. flight license. And so, and of course, and so you can't fly over people and you can't like, there's yeah. all sorts of restrictions. Oh, geez. Right? Okay. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. But, um, so, uh, uh, we closed all that down. We also had a service division where we were installing everything on the towers. We weren't really good at that. We, we got rid of all that and, and, you know, uh, a shocking, but true, uh, you know, fact is that we grew to 80 people in 2019 and on one day, I basically had to drop from 80 people to 29 people. Oh, wow. On Black Monday, you know. Wow. My wife says it's Black Thursday or whatever, but felt like Black Monday. And um, and what was happening in 2019? We, we, we had to get time. out of these divisions yeah. that we were, were not profitable. And it, it, it was leading to uh, we were going to have a bad year. 
And, you know, we have covenants with the bank, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have large transactions that we're doing. We're bringing in million dollar containers shipments and we need lines of credit. And mm -hmm. because of that, you need specific. Yeah, your financials financial need to metrics, look a certain right? way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, your covenants, right? And so we were, we, we, tough. we were scared, right? And I was worried, right? And really, really worried. And, um, and so I went to my business partner and I said, look, this is what we're doing. <laughs> we're getting rid of this, 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 and this, and we're doing it all now. He's like, when's now? And I'm like, are you ready now? Because we're calling the people now, wow. like now. Wow. And so, and he later said, he said, I never would have done that, what you did, right? And I, I never would have made yeah. that decision. I barely would I ever, I barely did it even after we decided to make it, but I never even would have made. So that, that was probably the hardest and best decision I ever made. Wow. And it hurt for all the people and what have you. But, sure. but a lot of them were the service people and we were able to place them uh, oh, quite, cool. quite quickly, almost instantly because people, other companies do run service businesses profitably. We do not. Yeah. Got and it. so it wasn't, there was very little carnage from it. Right. Most of the people were placed quite, quite well. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. The drone people all went to a new business that Brent sells drones and they're all doing well. So cool. okay. it's fine. And, um, but at that moment it was really tough and we went, we went from like, you know, total fear for the business to um, massive relief. profitability. Yeah, and just and, mental relief. Yeah. Oh, you could sleep at night amazing. again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And from that point, we never looked back in terms of, it wasn't that long ago, but I mean, we never looked back on the profitability side and we, you know, we changed the way we did anything. And, you know, <clears throat> that, was, that was when I learned the rule, you know, this is maybe slightly distasteful, but which was, you know, as people always ask me, like, when, when do you let somebody go, right? And I said, oh, that's easy. And I, and it, I say, it's the first nanosecond after the, the first thought, thought yeah. that you ever have of letting them go. That's when yeah. you got to let them go. Right. Yeah. And are we okay for time? Or? We are. Yeah. 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 I'm okay, just okay, checking fine. in. All We're right. good. We're good. And, uh, wow. so we became very profitable throughout the years. People, uh, private equity companies came and kicked the tires, but our multiples in the EBITDAs didn't look good. And, you know, Mark and I had put our whole life into it. So we weren't going to let it go until the right moment. And, um, there were some good companies that had come along, but the timing was wrong. And they, you know, the, and the, the, um, you know, after the 2019 was behind us, the numbers were looking really good, but people want three years of history. Right. And so to make a long story short on that, it's not really three years, but the, the people that came along and acquired us were smart enough. They saw how well we were performing in cool. 2020, 2021 and 2022 that they over, they isolated 2019 as the restructuring. And took it out of the equation. Yeah, got it. And um, and there, I believe that they're smart. We're, um, you know, you know, we we're and we, that's final now. It's final. The deal's okay. done. Yeah. So they they approached us um, last summer, and um, wow, yeah, we started giving them you know numbers and talk about customers and this and that. And um, uh, in the fall, they gave us an IOI intention of interest, and we went exclusive with them, where we won't talk to anyone else. And, um, yeah, it was a huge learning experience. Although I had sold my other company and there was due diligence and what have you, maybe this was a red flag, but, uh, it was like a few pages of due diligence. This was like 124 folders of information yeah, on a, from, it. you know, yeah. the big lawyers and, you know, the KPMGs of the world, you know, asking us detailed questions going back five years, every contract, all oh, the customer wow. stuff. We had to get all our big customers to agree. We had to get all our big vendors to agree. 
Um, you know, we had to prove all our suppositions that we were making, you know, put them all down. And then we have to warranty them, right, going forward. So there's holdbacks and things like that on these hmm. deals, right, where they keep back, you know, 10% for this, 10% for that. Just oh, got it. That's because I was going to say how you warranty it, but the, yeah, they, <laughs> they hold keep, back. They hold back. Yeah, that's a, that's back, an easy right? enough. It's like a real yeah. estate deal. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. holding back. There's a holdback. Yeah, got it. And so yeah, the deal was signed and uh, you know uh, official on around February fourth. And um, again, uh, you know my my. Uh, Congrats, Glenn. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. The great thing is that you know, uh, you know, I never, I don't have to actually worry about because when you're running your own business, you know exactly what this is like. Like, there's really not any moment of any day where you know there's not a black swan event that could put you out of business. Totally. And you'd have to call all your people in and yeah. say, by the way, you don't have a job. We're constant. We always <laughs> say we're short-term paranoid yeah. about pretty much yeah. everything. Long-term mm. optimistic. Long-term, we yeah. always know. Everything's yeah. always going to work out. But short-term, yeah. completely paranoid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, we got the, you know, we got the uh, personal guarantees taken off and all that. We have a, you know, very uh, strong partner. And we're, oh, we are awesome. running the, you know, we are the Canadian, their first Canadian acquisition. And. Uh, they were really didn't have a Canadian presence. And so, uh, and they're a wireless company as well. They sell almost the same technology in the U S oh, so they understood you. And so we're, yeah. So the blending, I guess will occur over time, but, uh, we're sort of running the Canadian show for them. And you're still and, involved. Yeah. So I can't really leave for three to five years. Yeah, right. Got it. Got <laughs> and, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, and they, the private equity are very good at, uh, keeping the topic, uh, top staff, right? Like they, sure. they incentivize you to stay yeah, 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 long got term, it. right? Got it. And so, um, yeah. And so I'm quite, quite happy to do that. It's a little bit, a little bit different having Weird. a boss yeah, 30 yeah, years yeah, I've been yeah, running my yeah, own thing totally. and yeah. all of a sudden I have yeah. a boss yeah. and, uh, but he, he's a nice guy and, yeah. okay, um, cool. you know, uh, and we have a lot of, we've always had a lot of ideas. We're sort of, uh, you know, very passionate about our drive and vision and we're, we're always willing to share it. So, and they're, they're, they're seem to be quite willing to listen. So that's a good thing, right? Wow. Yeah. Amazing, and, uh, amazing story from that first company to the second one from yeah. 30 years so, old, starting your company. This so, is quite a so story. the massive, yeah. So I kind of glossed over the absolutely, uh, show stopping event that occurred between the two companies and, uh, and up to when I, when I signed this latest deal on February 4th. So, the guy who was at the head of the other of the public company that bought my other company, okay. he went on to, and I don't know the full story. I couldn't write the book on it, but he he fell in with a lady who had a business, not like a technology business like my business, but a family business of uh, uh, making things that was very profitable in sort of north north uh, like in cottage country, and I I can't even remember what it was, but it was a very very fa profitable family business, you know, millions of dollars of profit a year. And he fell in with the with the daughter, who was of course he's he's uh, probably ten years older than me, and she's probably you know around my age or younger a little bit. But of course, it was this love affair that occurred, and he basically sort of did the same thing to her and her father, who owned the business. No, and he, but he made a he made a fatal mistake, right, on the second one because we really didn't have a lot of recourse or anything like that. But the mistake that he made on the second one is hell hath no fury than a woman scorned, oh, right? And she went completely nuts. He, I don't know, he took over their business and he bankrupted them. Oh my God. The family lost everything. Like I started oh over God. at 40 something, whatever it was. I just started my business over. I never cried about this or whatever. I was, uh, I, I basically went from unemployed to, to a new company in a week. Sure. Like, yeah, I yeah, didn't even yeah. stop. Right. That's a beautiful thing about starting yeah. your own company. You, whenever you decide you're back in business, yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah. wow, what kind so, of person does this? Exactly. So they went after him and ultimately the RCMP charged him no. for fraud, mail fraud, wire frauds, all these kinds of frauds. His course, he ended up getting a, a uh, you know, one of those bracelets on your ankle. He's been on house arrest for literally years while it was going through the courts. They interviewed myself. My brother was part of the business. He interviewed my brother and we couldn't give them any decent evidence. We just couldn't, but they had plenty of it with this lady's family and their business. And the week that I sold, sold, I signed the deal to sell my new company, which replaced the company that he basically bankrupted. He went to prison for eight years. Wow. He was sentenced to eight years in prison. So and this is just recently. A few weeks ago, he went to prison. Wow. And, and he, um, uh, he has to pay back two to $2.4 million or something by the time he gets out in eight years. So he has to go back sounds for like another. an older gentleman now. He is. He is an older guy, yeah. Or he has to go back to jail? Yeah, or he has to go back for three more years if he doesn't pay back the family $2.4 million. And, um, yeah, and so... Uh, you know, I feel quite, oh, uh, quite yeah. vindicated by well, that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, but, geez, you know, I'm sure you do. Yeah, yeah. And just thinking yeah. about this other family to all oh, the it's work awful, they've yeah. been through for yeah. $2.4 million. That's super heartbreaking. Harbor. The father, like he's like in his late seventies or whatever. And like, he's like mentally like just devastated by what had happened. Right. The daughter, everyone in the family sort of like wrote her off as a person. Like, you know, you're, you're, oh, you don't exist. Right. God. Cause they all went, they all went belly up. They lost everything. The whole family. So, um, yeah, do your due diligence on your partners, right? And, and I mean, the, the company we're dealing with now is like a, you know, a super great Good for you one. guys. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're very, very... Um, to, to go through yeah. what you went through to end up here is quite the journey because you could have easily just kind of packed it up, started yeah. working for someone else. Not that there's anything wrong with that by any means, but you know, might have not just felt good in your own soul. Yeah. Might have taken some of your spirit away because yeah. you still have a lot of spirit in you. Yeah. You can tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's so much so, more to add. So th I'm, I'm curious then we, we go on. So, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to sort of tie it back to, you know, how I got involved with you guys and, mm -hmm. um, and so, which I can't even remember, but I just tripped over. We uh, captured your email address yeah, somewhere yeah. and then just started spamming you forever. Pretty much, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think it might have been, um, I think it might have been another one of your sort of cooperation that, that okay. I, I went to one of their seminars okay. or something and I met you guys at it. Okay. And um, the and then I signed up for the, the basic membership and then I started attending the, yeah. I said, come to the office for classes before, yeah, way yeah, back yeah, when. Yeah. And I... I had this like gumption, like I was running, uh, you know, a company, an $80 million company basically. Okay. And I had this thing that I was on the side, I was going to like renovate Real houses. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's, yeah, yeah, I yeah. honestly felt yeah. like I'll be, I'll be honest. Like, I honestly felt like I would, I wasn't a whole person until I could both run my business, really, uh, you know, and, and burr houses. Right. I honestly oh didn't God. feel complete. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. I would see, and I met these, you know, so many, you know, people that I admire so much, you know, at these seminars and stuff that what they were doing. And I was amazed. I'm like, how did you get from like two to three to four to five to six? And, you know, but it's usually I, a shit show. Yeah. That's usually how it's done. And I, you know, and then also the, <laughs> you know, the questions about, you know, like running out of financing at the regular banks and this and that, and then going to Butler mortgage or all those mm. kinds of those private kinds of money, private, private, yeah, lenders, hard monies hard and all that. Money, yeah. 12%. And it was, yeah. It was great learning about all that. And, but I realized that it wasn't for me because I, you know, it's another business. Yeah. It's an entirely it other business. Yeah. This isn't passive. Yeah. yeah. It's like when I started reading about real estate investing and I was told it was passive income. 
And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is beautiful. Like right. you just create this passive income stream. I didn't realize to get the passive income, you almost needed a full-time effort. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. To create the passive income, ironic. to create the passive yeah. income, I yeah. needed a full-time effort to yeah. get there, you yeah. know? And um, so, and and you guys answered a lot of those questions about those, you know, and or or your or your some of your members would tell stories about, you know, how they did some of these deals and stuff. And I, I came to realize, like, you know, um, the benefit, the true benefit for me and your guys was, um, you know, one while well, working with Paul, the coach, right? And I'm not sure I can pronounce his last name. Debruzo. Debruzo. Paul Debruzo. Yeah. yeah. Debruzo, right? And. Um, you know, and and the the wealth of of uh, sort of tangential uh, investment technologies you guys have brought upon me, right? And a lot of what I've done uh, in the last number of years has been a direct result of that, right? So, um, you know, I do have some rental properties in Oakville and up north in Cottage Country and stuff like that, but they're they're just sort of let's call them coincidental investments, like in the sense that they just sort of happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We all, over time, a, if you're in real estate, those always happen to you. Yeah. You know, you end up picking yeah. a property here or yeah. there. You don't even know how you did it. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, nowadays, if you've held on to them, you're kind yeah. of a genius. Oh, right? you're a genius. How did you do it? <laughs> yeah. How did you have the guts? Exactly. What brilliance yeah. you had to yeah. do that. You know? Yeah. And um, so. Uh, but, you know, I came to learn about some important, uh, you, you know, as I said earlier before the show, right, um, uh, I came to learn about the, the financing through companies like Butler Mortgage and stuff like that, which I've used on, on the, cool. some of the properties, the, which, I mean, to the average person, I mean, they think RBC and Scotiabank and that's it, right? I mean, they barely know about Totally. That's brokers. how we were. We, yeah. we, Nick and I walked I away mean, from so many deals yeah, when a banker yeah. told us, guys, you're in your 20s. Mm-hmm. We already gave you one. We shouldn't have given you the second mortgage. One was enough. The second one right. went out of a limb. Yeah. You're done. And we <laughs> yeah. would literally walk away from great deals going, oh, right. I guess. Yeah. And if we had just taken 15 steps to the bank branch next door of a different bank, right. we probably would have got approved. Yeah. Never mind finding a mortgage broker. By the way, they're rebranding to BM Select. Oh. And they will attack me if I don't share that. So, well, I noticed that on some of their emails. Yeah, Yeah. they're slow. They're going to big announcement coming. Big, big announcement. But yeah, they're going to BM Select as their branding. So I definitely, you know, 100% of the referrals came from you guys to them. So they owe it to you for that. And uh, <clears throat> and I will give them top notch credit for doing a great job on everything that they do. So yeah, and it's a funny story really just well. about them is when we started this business, we probably had a lineup of ten mortgage brokers, and I honestly remember telling my brother that I couldn't refer anyone to Dave Butler. He's gonna hate this story um, because I'm like, Nick, he talks so quickly. I speak quickly. Okay, <laughs> right. so so I'm like, he speaks he speaks so quickly. I just can't trust the guy. I don't really you know know if we can do business with him. But then time and time again. He, he just kept delivering and delivering. And when deals were hitting the, like when crap was hitting the fan on a deal closing, he would step up often right. personally to fix the deal. So much so that you couldn't deny the guy anymore. Yeah. And you were just like, okay, this guy just delivers. And so many other people who spoke a great ga- game and more professionally perhaps, they just failed. Yeah. And they would walk away. We would have, we would literally have, I'll never forget this because we work so hard with Rockstar members to try to, because real estate, as you know, is it's difficult and there's problems. And they would just walk away from a deal. They, on the day of closing, we would literally get calls saying, sorry, I'm not going to be able to do the financing as I had promised your investor. Click. Oh, wow. 
oh my gosh. And then we yeah. had given our good name yeah. to refer them to these oh. people. Yeah. So you could imagine it was oh, just yeah. horror story after yeah. horror story for two or three years. And finally, Dave, yeah. to his credit and BM Select, these guys just kept showing up. Yeah. So they, 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 yeah, they're really, they're really good. And yeah. no, no one's perfect. And no. there's always yeah. problems. So uh, far, my work's been, been yeah, flawless. Awesome. So good, yeah, good. Yeah, really yeah, yeah, good. And cool. I got them, got them from you guys. And uh, I think I met them at one of your events or something or that a like a table or something. And, um, but you decided but also, you had the realization you weren't going to go in to be flipping and yeah. re- renovating and refinancing yeah. and renting it out. It's yeah. just too much time because you right. were already running this business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other one that, um, that I struggle with and you know, I don't, maybe you'll have a comment on it. You probably will. Is that I totally get the concept of this, but, uh, is the, the joint venture. I always, I always struggle with this, that the, because well, I definitely have the money, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's a lot of times I see the deals as 50, 50, right. And mentally I can't make that leap of faith, right? Like I can go into a much bigger syndicated deal, right? Where my little piece is like peanuts compared, but it it feels good and feels right. Yeah. But But 50, 50, walk me through it because you think by putting up the money, you should be getting more than 50%. Pretty much my greed kicks in. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are going to probably want to call me and like lambaste me for that thought concept. But, no, but it's, but I can't really get over it. And I'm trying, like, I'm trying oh, to, I don't think uh, there's yeah. anything to get over. I think, yeah. uh, first of all, Nick and I aren't big ourselves into joint ventures. We just, um, don't like dealing with other people very much. Right. It's just more like yeah. we like, we have done joint ventures with other investors right. definitely over the yeah. years. Right. And Nick and I own many properties together as I guess, joint ventures right. together. Yeah. Um, but we don't, uh, we don't like push into that ourselves. We could have over the years. Was there many rock star members kind of around us? We definitely right. could have. It's just, we wanted to, sleep at night. We wanted simple, you know, lifestyle was more important to us. And when you get into joint ventures, often money becomes an issue with people that you're not even related to. Right. You know, you don't want to get into like money issues with people you're related to. And we found that Nick and I were very willing to always spend money. Like if a roof needed a repair or a foundation was leaking, we're going to spend the money immediately. That's our asset. We're going to protect it. And we came to realize in some joint venture relationships, even if it was written on paper that we had voting control to do, you know, a a capital raise kind of to, we're not talking big money here, but we need to raise some capital to fix something. It'd become like a little tense. Yeah. And we thought like, this is like an obvious thing we need to do. There's water pouring into somebody's basement it shouldn't be tense here. And so it kind of steered us away a little bit, but we right. know many people have done tons of joint ventures here at Rockstar yeah. completely successfully. Yeah. It's just not been our thing. And I'll tell you on the 50, 50 thing. Um, I think it's both ways, both sides struggle because yeah. the person giving up the money thinks uh, I should be getting more. more. And then the person doing who all is the doing work. all the legwork and dealing with yeah. the tenants or dealing with contractors and they're putting in the hours, they're like, well, it's my, expertise if they've done this for like 10 years yeah. it's my expertise that is like making this all happen so really as long as i'm guaranteeing you a ret- uh, you know an roi of whatever eight percent even annually on your money you should probably be pretty happy and i'll just take all the rest yeah so it's like whenever i deal with joint venture part no one's ever happy no everyone feels like you're getting screwed on both sides but i do see them work out uh, also over time for sure and I, but, but I, so I, I totally, uh, yeah, I get it. I get I, I, it. Yeah. And I've always, you know, want to be that know thyself kind of person and I don't want to be the negative Nelly guy. And, and so I know that's why I just figured it's sort of not, not kind of for sure. me. Right. Yeah. And, um, the, you know, some of the other takeaways that I've gotten, the, you know, the properties that I do have, you know, I was starting to get, uh, years ago, 
you might, you'll probably know this name, but it goes back a long way is that I went to a real estate seminar, I guess in the eighties with Raymond Darren. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I know. And he name. was like a kind of a real estate trainer guy. I don't know what he's doing nowadays, but, um, uh, you know, and then later, you know, he, he, he's kind of like a high pressure kind of sales, uh, you know, I think that era, that era was that yeah, way. Yeah. You know, that kind of like Tom, Tommy, it was a Tommy Wu or whatever. Yeah, with, yeah. Oh, Tom, yeah. that was Tom uh, Vu. Tom Vu. That was right. Tom Vu yeah, with those but, infomercials. But I got some good thing. I actually bought a couple condos with his advice way back in the eighties and zero money down. And, uh, my brother and I, we sold oh, them later. Cool. We made some, we made some money and stuff like that. But he said something that I never forgot, which was when, when you invest in real estate, there's two prices to pay, right? The first price is the financial price, right? And the second price is the emotional price. And there is an emotional cost to every real estate investment. And, uh, nowadays for families trying to buy homes with multiple offers, I can't even imagine the emotional price they're paying because oh, most of the time they're not even winning. And yeah. And but, if you do win, you totally feel like you yeah. got, you overpaid yeah. right. and got screwed and like, yeah. And, um, and so I was realizing recently, <clears throat> you know, the, I was finding the real estate overwhelming and Paul and, and uh, a couple of his people are, uh, you know, recommended that I, you know, go to property management and, um, and of course the uh, greed kicks in, right? I'm like, well, how much is that going to cost me? And I can go get those checks and I don't care when the oven breaks and the oven doesn't fit in the hole. Oh, you and- care when you're leaving on vacation <laughs> yeah. and you get that call right before you board, board a plane yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. One of the properties, the oven broke and I just bought her a new oven and had it shipped to the house. And she calls me, she says, it doesn't fit. And I'm like, what yeah. do you mean it doesn't fit? <laughs> And I know. They're all the same. Classic real estate. And, yeah, I, yeah. And I went and literally didn't fit. And I had to bring a skill saw and like cut. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a property, same thing. It was yeah. like this oven was some kind of yeah. magical special order from the right. 1970s yeah. that somehow lasted for so long and they just don't exactly. make that size yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. Was- and uh, so I went to property <laughs> management, so, you know, and then I also learned uh, about the, um, the, the new build properties that Paul was doing. And I caught, participated in that yeah, and got quite it. successfully. And, um, oh yeah. So you've been up to lots of stuff. You've oh, checked yeah. out things, thought and, about yeah. things. And, and also the, the, the other thing, I mean, right or wrong. And I mean, I'm not a, a, a realist. Like if you ask me about 5g, I can talk for hours, right? I'm not a real estate expert, like, um, you know, a pundit or anything on that. Right. But one of the ones that I find personally, uh, easy is where getting in on new builds that have a lengthy closing and you can invest in the deposit money, you know, somewhere between five and 20%. And then flip the property before it closes and not have to tenant the property as long as it can be assigned and some of the costs mm-hmm. are known. And, you know, and I'm not sure if that's frowned upon or if that's looks good. No, I think you that's know. been a gr- like a great strategy for a long time, especially in a rising market. The yeah. reason that that what you just described is so sensitive to me is that that almost bankrupt our family. Right. That's exactly oh, what okay. our father did in 1990. Okay. He actually bought a house in Mississauga. Um, off somebody else. It was an assignment he bought. So the, the, the guy, the real estate market was so hot. They didn't even have like sales offices and it was literally just a construction type trailer they were yeah. selling out of. He bought the paper off somebody coming out of the trailer. Wow. He bought it for $750,000 off somebody else. New construction. Yeah. So that person bought it, flipped it to our father who made a profit. The house fell in value before, um, before or right around the time of closing. Now I'm forgetting the sequence. Um, but it fell in value $450,000 right as our father was taking possession. So either immediately after, right before, and we were stuck with this thing. Right. So it, but when things are going good, 
it's beautiful. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful yeah. because you give your money. It's a, you're, there's yeah. nothing to do. You don't even have to buy insurance on it. You don't even, yeah. you're not even owning the property. It gets completed. You sell it to somebody else or you assign it before it's, a, yeah. a, it, it's done. Right. It's a beautiful way to do real estate. It's just, there's some risk to it. Right. That I just, someone like yourself, you can handle that risk. Yeah. I'm just nervous for someone who maybe doesn't have your financial right. ability yeah. that goes kind of all in on that strategy. Yeah. And if right. they do two or three, let's say yeah. condos, and then maybe a COVID hits where no yeah. one, you know, or a war yeah. breaks out that nobody thinks exactly. and a liquidity crisis yeah. hits and they're caught holding the bag on all these things. I'm like, oh, yeah. So, Fortunately right now I'm at the, yeah, I'm not going to do too many more of them and I have enough that I could make but you're good on all of it. Yeah. You're like, at, you're at the, the liquidity of it. You're at the financial situation yeah. where you can yeah. kind of handle that yeah. thing. And right. that's why I think there's so much nuance to real estate. Because someone can say, I love joint venture deals yeah. and they work out beautifully, beautifully for them because they fit their emotional profile. Like you were alluding to, it fits yeah. their financial profile. They're happy. You and I, maybe we're just like, oh, I don't really yeah. like it for, right. for different reasons. And yeah. then the pre-construction, someone be ki killing it on a pre-construction. And maybe there's someone like me who's like, oh, I don't really like it. Yeah. So real estate, there's, that's why there, to me, no one can ever say, Hey Glenn, I got the perfect real estate investment for you. Right. Because it's so dependent yeah. on your financial situation, yeah. your stage in life, what your emotional circumstances are there's yeah. so much nuance to this that you there's no one answer right you know and it's why people come to us and they're like what's the best real estate investment or where's the best place to invest tom <laughs> right. and i'm like oh my gosh well without knowing more about you and your life and your needs and your financial background and your financial ability it's tough to answer yeah. that question good you yeah, know that's a good point so uh, um yeah and the, the i'm finally i'm getting to the point now where i'm trying to you know, I'm getting to the emotional point, you know, which, uh, cause I, I constantly measure that weight, right. Is cause the financial is kind of binary. Either you can, or you can't financially, right? Like you can either, you, you can either know the way, the path to the financial deal and you're going to make it happen. So it's, it's either gonna or not gonna, but the emotional, you got to really measure whether you can handle it emotionally and be happy and not lose sleep and not be worried totally, and drag yes. out your family and your wife's like, I don't want to hear about your problems. <laughs> don't talk to me. And about then she's like, how much did you make on that condo? <laughs> she only wants to hear the good ones, right? And, oh my uh, gosh. Anyways, and, <laughs> but it's getting into the bigger, you know, bigger, uh, being a partner in a bigger, uh, bigger development right yeah, like yeah. so cool um you know that's sort of the next thing and but uh, yeah. just you know in short just a couple of other things that i learned is the you guys that introduced me to the graybrook which is like cool so amazing we're and fans of them for sure yeah. Yeah, yeah i'm so thankful to to learn about that paul had a seminar about uh whole life insurance oh yeah and yeah. i i gotta admit i already have whole life insurance i mean i'm a business owner so i've had it for a long time and I understood it in terms of the policy that I had, why I bought it, when I bought it, and et cetera, et cetera. And it's almost sort of at its mature stage where I don't have to put fund it anymore. But he introduced me to the Darren, right? Yeah, Darren and Mitchell. Darren Mitchell. Yeah. And like the light bulbs went off in 19 different directions. And that now, was that was probably one of the few people we've brought in recently over the last few years that everyone just had like light bulb moments. Oh because God, yeah, because yes. you're talking about like a high cash value life insurance yes. policy or leveraging yes. your life insurance policy, and then using it to, using the leverage the policy to leverage the the future life insurance uh, real estate purchases, right? Yeah. So yeah. we actually, if anyone listening, his book is "Be the Bank," if I'm remembering yeah. correctly, and we had him on this podcast actually. Yeah. Um. So if you look back for Darren Mitchell, that one always yeah. gets rave oh, reviews. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Nick and I listening the first time actually before we had him on the podcast. I think we did a phone call with him and we hung up going. 
why like we because we like you we already had whole life policies right but we weren't just thinking about them in that manner exactly and it just yeah. kind of your mind explodes with possibilities yeah. and i i met 10 years ago i had met a guy just like darren to explain me the policy sold me the policy i've been paying the policy but he wasn't Darren. He didn't explain it. Yeah. Like be the bank. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, it's just like, I was just like, Oh my God, I wish I'd known that before. And you know, and then Darren's gotten me involved in like, you know, even I'm later in life now, but even still, it's still a valid uh, newer policies. I can still get involved with even at my cool. age. Right. So I'm so, so thankful for that. Awesome. You know, and then of course, I didn't know Paul yeah. had brought him in for, for a class. Yeah, there was so like a cool. morning seminar awesome. kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And yeah, Paul's like that guy, like, don't ever lose him. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, 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 like yeah. that guy said, the, when I said earlier that story, and he's, he's awesome. And, uh, the, and of course he does a lot on crypto and stuff like that. Right. And I've enjoyed them. And the funny thing is like when I'm in the crypto ones, I'm, I'm always have to throttle myself because you know, the chat, there's chat things and you know, uh, they're talking about, you know, level ones like Ethereum and, and Bitcoin and things like that. And some, you know, concepts of DeFi, like, you know, um, lending protocols and, and stuff like that. Right. But I mean, I got into Bitcoin. Oh, you're throwing and, around these terms. You're going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Just be careful. Yeah. Be careful, Glenn. Where yeah, are you yeah, going? Yeah. Where are no, you? I won't go too deep. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just want to say like, I enjoyed this, the things and I always learned something and, um, the, um, I can't remember which company it was he had introduced me to, but I did, I did get involved with them as well. I'm not sure if it's lender or L E N D R or whatever, but okay. It's probably uh, lead in lead in maybe. Yeah. yeah lead in, Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> the, um, uh, but I have to like, you know, not ask these, you know, that annoying guy who asks these questions that he knows no one knows the answer to because he wants to sound smart or whatever. Like, I think I talked about that in the book as well. Like, don't be that guy. Right. It's called Why? high, high I, nav, high need to add value. Right. Where you're asking a question where you know pretty much nobody knows and you're just showing off. Right? It. It's yeah. really annoying. It's not an endearing quality. And you were doing that? In no, I don't. Do oh, oh, don't. Do I was I'm like, don't touch the keyboard. Right. Just listen. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, and because the stuff I want to like um, the basic, you know, he's talking to the broad audience who's get, just getting into crypto or learning about it or what have you. But the I, you know, I bought my first Bitcoin in like. 2012 something like that oh my gosh yeah yeah i gave i once needed a few lines of code changed by a software engineer so i paid him 14 bitcoin no uh, yeah 14 bitcoin Holy i remember shit. it as much as yesterday and uh, yeah so i've been involved for a long long time and um the you know i have this like geek thing where it just kicks in right and i go like right overboard and um, you know, so were you able to accumulate and keep some yeah. Bitcoin? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no. Oh, I've, oh, yeah. Oh, good, I definitely, good. I definitely accumulated life, life changing money, which I've kept, I've held onto it to this day. I still have it. I have my Ethereum. I did get, uh, I took a huge, huge loss in the Quadriga fiasco where the guy had the keys to the, to the, to the software and he died. And uh, nobody knew how to get into the Quadriga exchange, and I lost all my. I'm I am in that class action to try to recover it, but I That's lost. That's the Can, is that the Canadian Canadian exchange? Quadra, Quadriga. Okay. CX. I don't know. There's one big Japanese one that yeah. went down. I don't know. I yeah, can't but the remember. Quadriga one is unique because he never shared the log. He just didn't share the logins and things to the to the exchange, and so he was running Quadriga CX from his laptop. 
And um, he flew to India or somewhere and died. And of course, it's like, oh no, he's mm-hmm. in like Bali. I remember, I remember the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And for I a lost, long time, everybody yeah. thought he was alive, but had just right. taken all the money. Yeah, I, I don't believe that part of the story. But and I am part of the recovery. I filed my claim and I proved in the on the uh, blockchain my my ownership. Right. I lost eighty Ethereum uh, for sure. I can't remember like four Bitcoin, um, which you know in today's dollars, it's a lot of money. Right. And it's gone. Like, and I don't think I'm ever getting that back, but I might. And then that would be a huge windfall. So what happened? He took and off to India and then no one ever heard he, from him again. He died. And like he, they found this guy's yeah. body. Oh, well, I don't know if they ever found the body. That's probably maybe one of the okay. things or something. But the story is he died and no, now his wife can't get into the software and nobody can get in. And um, and so now they're trying to figure out a way of back ending into into the exchange to release because he's got the private keys. Right. Don't have your keys. You I'm don't have sure your coins, if they don't, right? if they haven't got into that exchange by now, no one's getting right. into that exchange. Yeah, and um, but there is a class action. Uh, wow, action involved in trying to recover whatever they can. So, and you're all over the map. Yeah. You're on everything. Yeah. Multiple yeah. businesses. You've gone down the real estate yeah. uh, rabbit hole. You're into this whole crypto stuff. Yeah, the crypto is like you know the uh, my my wife considers it gambling i'm i'm kind of 50-50 right now with the way the markets are that maybe i am just gambling right and um but i find it to be uh like you know, when you come home from a hard day at work or whatever, like some people like to play some kind of Xbox game or something like that. I'm not a gamer. I don't do anything like that, but I, I, I like to play. This is your crypto. release a little bit. Yeah. 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 I don't know from, it's from everything I've like, I have a little bit of interest in the monetary system and, and, and following money and the history of money and specifically Bitcoin to me really intrigues me because a lot of the characteristics of Bitcoin remind me of gold and right. if gold was the best analog money for 4000 years and now we have like a digital form of scarcity to me when I map the characteristics against gold I'm like wow this is like a digital representation of gold in the in 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 the digital space and it it kind of intrigues me and then when you see it can be sent around the world and settlement and yeah. it's a bearer instrument Nobody controls it. There's no like board of directors or right. anyone who can change this monetary system. Yeah. And there are threats to it, of course. There's like different things, con- countries banned and stuff. But it feels like whatever you toss at this thing, it just like lives on. Yeah. So it's it's kind of fascinating that even if you don't believe in it, it's almost like a riddle just kind of right. studying. And then once you peel back the layers of this thing and see other layers being built on top of it, like the Lightning Network yeah. now. That's amazing. It's really amazing. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the guests we recently had, Kevin Rook, on this podcast here, he's streaming his podcast over a podcast app that is riding over Lightning Rails. So nice. when you're listening to the podcast, if you listen on the Fountain app, you right. can say... Hey, this is of like, you know, maybe five cents equivalent Canadian dollars in Bitcoin. So whatever amount of sats that would be, I don't know, 30 sats or 50 sats, which if you're listening to this, that's a fragment of a Bitcoin. And you can stream it to him like every five minutes as a thank you for the content he's putting out. And I'm like, when you can digitally stream monetary value and you can programmatically then. Right put this into up other applications where somebody does something and they just automatically get this monetary reward. I go, where, where are we headed? Like if you look at the way we pay people in today's world, usually people get paid twice a month. Yeah, right. Why do they get paid twice a month? Because right. it's too difficult to pay them and too expensive in, yeah. in, in, too expensive to run a payroll yeah. regularly, never mind every hour. Yeah. But what happens in a few years from now if we're able to just pay people by the hour in real time? Right. Yeah. 
like, where does that take us? Like, does that, if it feels like that changes things and it's so big that I don't know what it changes exactly. Like I can't even articulate it right now, but I'm like, there's something here. There's something here. Sometimes I wish I could pay people for the hour that they work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole different story. Yeah. That's a whole yeah. different story. And, um, totally. Yeah. You're right. And the, the one thing I, about crypto that I always, uh, is that I don't really get involved in NFTs and I, and I do my, um, and I, I, I have dollar cost averaging it like every two weeks. I get paid every two weeks, right? So every two weeks I do dollar cost average into the L1s, right? Like the, the level one uh, crypto, uh, like, you know, Ethereum and um, Bitcoin, Phantom and, and uh, you know, the coins like that, just to accumulate it, right? Yeah, Not a huge cool. amount of money. Yeah. And um, But uh, I don't get into involved with the NFTs, but I do get involved with what are called launch pads. Which, because nowadays, uh, when you have to rationalize, this is, you know, how I sell myself, right? Is that the, if I, if I'm investing in Bitcoin and Ethereum, I could ultimately be super smart or I'm gambling and I'm going to, could lose it. Yeah. All, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I always lost <laughs> money when I gambled. Right. But I shouldn't laugh. I'm hearing you say this, just laughing. I, yeah, Glenn, it's true. Holy and smokes. I feel that <laughs> NFTs are pretty i'm not you know i believe in them for for later for identifying things that they have a value but as gambling on them now for like the price of a you know um you know a, a, an ape or these you know these mm-hmm. different kinds of uh, nfts sure. right um I, I just see that as total gambling right and so um but the launch pads where you buy into the launch pad so you'll buy tokens in you know uh you know BSC pad, ADA pad, all, all the KSC pad, and you buy tokens on their ex- sort of little exchange. You lock them in, you stake them, and then there's IDOs, initial D. Uh, I'm not sure what the D stands for, but like basically initial coin offerings, right? And they're you're, they're only selling out like a few hundred thousand dollars worth of the coins, and you're getting in at the at the strike price of like two cents, one and a half cents, or something like that. And they typically in the beginning they do like 10x, 20x, 30x, or what have you, but if you're buying in at the bottom, like at the beginning, you have a much bigger chance of. So if you're gonna gamble, yeah, I'd rather so I gamble at zero. Like, yeah, yeah. If right? I'm gonna gamble, I'll go big. Right. I'm gonna get and, in early. And, they, and because unless you had a huge stake in the in the pad with the launch pad, uh, which I don't, um, you can only buy twenty to forty dollars, maybe up to a hundred dollars on any one kind of coin because there's only 150k, 200k of coins to go around, right? But if they if they hundred X, yeah, the problem is it. they lock the coins in for six months. So you're, it's a long-term gamble to see, will they hold their value over time? But if they do, they're not likely to go from 0.015 cents to like 0.001, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so for me, that's the sort of like, you know, roll the dice money that I think. And the other stuff, the, you know, it's just a basic. I think it has to be the roll of the yeah. dice money if you're going to yeah. do that. Because oh, yeah, I, I think the security is, I, I can't yeah. see the SEC like ignoring it completely i mean they have so far but i gotta think at some point they come in and say okay listen these are like securities they're gonna have to be regulated differently but i'm surprised they haven't so far stepped into that whole world yeah me too. Well, the XRP uh, lawsuit is going to greatly you govern think maybe how they decide some of that decide stuff? whether they go for the other ones. Because if if they're found guilty of being a security or whatever, then it's game on for every other one that they yeah, want to yeah. go after. Precedent's been set. And if yeah. it's not guilty, then there'll probably be a b- b- deep breath, right? And um, 
Yeah, yeah so. fascinating times in that space. We'll have to kind of, we'll yeah. have to circle back and so, just laugh. Yeah. We'll laugh at, we'll either laugh at yeah. uh, the, the the specific, the crypto discussion specifically, we'll either laugh at just like how naive are those guys right. talking about that yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. I told you that Idiots. stuff was, yeah, like, look at that. <laughs> they were sitting yeah. there thinking they were so smart on that whole stuff, yeah. but it, but it's definitely fun. And I'm, I'm, I'm similar to you. I won't go home and start playing some games or something like yeah. that. That is a little bit of my release when yeah. I have something that kind of intrigues me yeah. and it just gets my curiosity going yeah. and I want to do a deep dive right. on it. But Glenn, I really want to thank, thank you, man. Your your life's kind of journey is really, really interesting. Like for you to, nice. you know, quit and, and and do what you did at 30 or 29.999, what, yeah. you know, years old, and then go through that ride. And then in your 40s to, to be faced with starting up from scratch again yeah. and then doing it. And the hustle, the work, the energy, the momentum that you have to create from scratch. Like I know what it's like to create momentum in a business from scratch. It's tough. It is. It's a lot of hours. No one understands the amount of time you have to put into that. There's likely going to be sacrifices in other areas of your life to just do that. So, yeah. you know, uh, I really respect all the yeah. stuff that you've been able to accomplish. Good, good, yeah. good on you. Yeah. And, uh, and to then share it. And then now to put uh, the book, I have one last question for yeah. you with the book that you've put together. So thank you. Uh, thank you for the copy of the yeah. book, by the way. Um, why the title? Never so, sit in the lobby. 57 the, winning sales factors yeah. to grow a business and build a career selling. That's, that actually is the name I came up with. The, I, had to, I had to hire some editors to help me with the editing. And, you know, I started with 75,000 words. And when they, when they removed the F word uh, from it, it just dropped 71,000 words, right? And they also told me that the title didn't have the proper keywords. And, oh, and so they, they picked the most appropriate sort of catchy title from one of the lessons in the book of never sit in the lobby. Got it. And, um, and I never do sit in the lobby. It doesn't matter how long I have to wait for you. I will stand the whole time and I won't touch my phone. And it's just a golden rule. I, cause when you come out, I'm going to be, I'm going to meet you. Head yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the, it's funny. That's how Anthony yeah. here got a job working with us here. He came into our lobby oh, and our old man. office and he just stood there until Nick and uh, I would deal right. with him. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. So that, that's how I came up with that. And, um, it, it's a build on the, if there's just a, a brief, brief story that I, a quick story I'll, I'll, I'll tell you is that one of the biggest lessons in the book for me is the, <clears throat> is the lesson you only get forever to make another impression. And so when, when someone like, uh, Anthony, like you said, or myself or whatever, that you're always making an impression, right? So, you know, if, if you walk by one of your workers, they're your, maybe your top producer, but they're always like playing backgammon or something on their PC, you know, that you, that will be the impression you build of them, right? And so I always teach my people, like, you always want to be on when you need to be on. So if someone's, if you hear the front door open and, and you think it's Tom or Nick walking in, look really busy. Look really freaking busy, right? Every time. And when they walk by, even though it's going to be annoying, ask them a question, right? You know, I'm working on this deal, blah, 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 and whatever. And, you know, always make an impression that you're busy. Always make an impression that you're working. And don't, you know, don't let them catch you, like, playing around and things like that, right? And that's why I don't stand in the lobby and, uh, oh, sorry, I don't sit in the lobby. And, um, you know, and I've helped, uh, you know, I helped teach it to my kids and, you know, and insp inspire that in them so that they could go on and, uh, you know, they're both in sales now too, right? So Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Thank Very you. cool. Yeah. Um, and thank you to Rockstar for all of the, I've explained all the things I got from you guys. It's, you, you know, the membership, uh, it, it was infinite return on investment. Yeah. It's so good. And, um, I, you're too kind. I mean, I appreciate it. We know we could, I think sometimes we look at what we're doing here at Rockstar and we're like, damn, we could do so much more. 
You know when you're critical of yourself? Oh, yeah. So I, I, I thank you for oh, that. Oh, no, I appreciate no, I it. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. And it's not just buying a, a rental property and burring it. There's so many more, so much more under the covers. And so anyone that's, you know, not sure about it, join and, and partake in some of the custom classes that are run. And I think, you, you know, you'll, you'll agree. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. for that, Glenn. Thanks and so if yeah. someone wants to get the book, yeah. Never Sit in the oh, Lobby by yeah. Glenn Poulos, yeah. where do they, so, Amazon.ca, uh, yeah. is Amazon, that the best place? Yeah, you can just uh, type Never Sit in the Lobby in Amazon. It'll come right up. And if you do read it, please leave a review. If Hopefully it's a good one. Yeah, And yeah. Um, I have a website, glennpoulos.com. So, uh, glennpoulos.com. We'll yeah. put that in the show notes. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, go to the show notes of Glenn's episode and we'll have links to the book. And to his website there. So uh, awesome! Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, Thanks Glenn. Really, uh, yeah, yeah, pleasure getting to know you better. Same thank here. you for Thanks doing for this. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Take care. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Glenn. You can find his book on Amazon, Never Sit in the Lobby. His website is glennpoulis.com. We'll have that linked off the show notes of this episode. Glenn is G-L-E-N-N-P-O-U-L-O-S.com. Glennpoulis.com is the website. And if you are listening to this and you want some real estate specific information, you can find all the different videos and podcasts and reports and books and classes that we offer at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.